Om Jnana Timirandhasya Jnana Shalakaya Chakshuran Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha The Prabhupada sets forth some basic principles within this purport. Sometimes it's said that Prabhupada's books are repetitive and that's true in one sense but then the same truths are stated from a slightly different perspective or in a slightly different context each time and as Prabhupada states here the truth is the truth so there's no harm in repeating it and in fact we can see that by not understanding the truth that is stated herein then you don't understand the truth at all because the truth that is stated herein is how to understand the truth which is through the Acharya Parampara system which is a very simple point that Prabhupada would reiterate many times that you have to accept some authority to understand that which you don't know you ultimately have to accept some authority and especially in the matter of spiritual subject matter this this process which is very popular in the modern age but the experimental process cannot possibly reach even the experimental or the ascending process Arohana Panta even to start on that process you have to accept the Avarohana Panta you have to learn something just like if you want to do research in science you don't begin by sitting under an apple tree and waiting for an apple to fall on your head and thinking oh now I, I propose that this shows the law of gravity you don't do that because it's already done you accept the authority of previous scientists and then if you get to the stage of if you get to the stage of going through a whole bunch of the stuff that they teach you, you could possibly do some research. But in the beginning, although they say science is also be proved and this and that, but in the beginning stages and up to a very high level of scientific inquiry, I'm talking about mundane science here, one has to accept the authority. You don't just like the scientists say, well, there are atoms, two hydrogen atoms combined with two oxygen atoms to make two H2O. No, two molecules. Two H2 plus two O equals those two combines to make two H2O. I learned something in school. And on authority I accept that. And you can do some experiment in which you burn hydrogen and you accept that the atmosphere has got oxygen in it and then you condense it and then you get water and then that's supposed to show something and it's supposed to prove something. But even that proof that that burning hydrogen in an atmosphere of oxygen, well first of all you accept that the lab technician gave you some hydrogen to burn and you accept that there's oxygen within the air and you accept that the substance produces water. You know, if, you, if you want to prove everything at every step then there's even the most simple experiment becomes a big endeavor. So you have to accept so many axioms, you accept so many things to make it even in, even in that which they say, well, it's all proved and we have to, we're showing by experiment, but even to make, even to make a simple experiment to so-called prove something, anything, you have to accept so many things just on faith. Just like the scientists say, the, the air contains oxygen that we breathe, or we accept, okay? So many points we have to accept, so... Then, then how will we get knowledge of that which is beyond experiment? Well, according to the modern 
way of thinking. There is no knowledge beyond our way of experiment, which is extremely foolish. I was discussing this the other day. That if it's if it's not provable or verifiable, then we can't accept it as a fact, which is an extremely foolish stance to take. However, the Vedic knowledge is particular. Although this gives knowledge of this material, is particularly concerned with that which is beyond the scope of our both our sensual perception and our mental speculation. That which is achintya kaluye bhavana tangsta kena yojiyat prakritevya parang yachta tad achintyasya lakshanam. This important statement from Mahabharata says that the very nature of that which is inconceivable is that it's not subject to understanding by any material method. That's uh, ipso facto. So, how are you going to understand it? Well, uh, it's beyond material nature, so it can't be understood by any material means. Therefore, there's no use to even try to understand it by any material means. But that doesn't mean that it can't be understood. There are spiritual means also. So the Vedic process is a spiritual means, and although it may seem in many ways to be a material process, because if understanding spiritual knowledge is based on hearing, So you may think, well, you sit in the Srimad Bhagavatam class and you hear Srimad Bhagavatam. And what's the difference between sitting in a lecture hall in a university? But they also may discuss Srimad Bhagavatam. The difference is that if you go to the Srimad Bhagavatam class in the university, you'll become a demon. Because you're hearing from it. I mean, there may be some devotees in the university, but mostly not because the syllabus is demoniac. Uh, but if you hear from devotees, and actually not only hearing, because tadviti paripatena pariprasnena sevya upadekchanti te gyanam gyaninas tatvadarshinaha One cannot understand simply by hearing. One has to serve and be humble. Otherwise one cannot understand. So this is a very basic principle that Prabhupada is stating, that That is the way of knowing the knowledge contained in the Vedas. Prabhupada has described the Parampara system. It is not a thing to be understood by one's erudite scholarship or by the fashionable interpretations of mundane scholars. So it's a very basic point. However, <coughs> sometimes devotees, they think, well, we've already understood the basic things and now we'll go further which may be true, but we have to understand how to go further. We don't go further by giving up the basics. If you think, oh, now I understood everything, so now I'll become a mundane scholar, then I'll understand more. Then you immediately, whatever you understood, it immediately becomes, your understanding immediately becomes contaminated. Even to think like that means that actually you never understood anything anyway. If one thinks that now I have to become a I have to give up the process of submissive hearing and exercise my intelligence, to my good brain to understand that everything Prabhupada said was wrong and I got a better idea, for instance. Then uh, you simply become another rascal. The world's full of them. You can become a highly educated rascal. Not so many of them. But they all end up in the same place. In fact, the highly educated rascals, they, uh, they go down further. They all end up in the same place, means it's somewhere down there, but the highly educated ones, they, they go further. 
because they're more expert at digging into the stool. So by that and by that practice, they can go further and deeper. So one has to see, even as if one is studying the Bhagavatam, definitely. The more we read and the more we study, we'll find so many things. And there may be so many questions that come up. And we may think, well, now I'm really a scholar. You see, I, I found out this thing and it seems to be, now it's very, becoming very uh, erudite, this word is using, Prabhupada's using. But there's a danger in that also. As Tejas Prabhu was relating to me the other day, I also remember reading this. Uh, someone was asking a question about. Excuse me. And the scientists explained what sneezing is. We have to ask some doctors. Probably not. There may be many explanations. Yes, they've explained, but they don't really know. There are many things they don't know. Why we need to sleep, for instance. They don't know. As I was, as I've told many times, a neurosurgeon once told me, we don't actually know how the brain works. We have a theory that there's some. It's a theory which is widely accepted that there are impulses go between the neurons, but we don't actually know. Hmm? Yeah. Well, they don't even know if that's true. That the that the impulses, tiny electrical impulses, go between the the brain cells. We don't actually know. And the guy's cutting your head open, and he doesn't know. So, next time you get your head open, get, get your head cut open, remember that. They don't really know what they're doing. So, anyway, what was the point I was making before I went off on that sarcastic tangent? Hmm? Yeah, Ugrasena. So, uh, some devotees were asking Prabhupada, well, how... You see, in your books it said that Maharaj Ugrasena had so many bodyguards. But uh, actually, I also calculated this. It said when King Nagnajit gave a dowry to Krishna, who married his daughter, namely Nagnajiti or Satya, it's described he gave so many elephants and then so many ten times more maidservants and then ten times more this and ten times more that and ten times more manservants. And if you see the number of manservants he gave, it it exceeds the present population of the earth and there were only in one palace in Dwarka. So this kind of thing, they're asking the number of bodyguards in Maharaj Ukrasena, how did they fit into a fort on the edge of the sea? You know, they have similar kind of things. They have oil rigs off the coast in Bombay. So they send a few people there by helicopter, they send them up and down. So, but you can't imagine keeping more than the population of the earth on an oil rig or some such thing off the coast. So Prabhupada said, well, we just accept that. It's in Shastra. How can we explain that to the scientists? You don't explain it to the scientists. There's no way you, no way you can explain it. It's inconceivable. There are some things which are, well, you know, they, they may not accept it. To hell with them. More or less, Prabhupada said. They don't, you know, we, we don't have to, uh, our job is not to uh, kiss, the, kiss the feet of the scientists. Just like the, the modern religions, they're all trying to kiss the, in American Slang, they don't say kiss the feet, they say to kiss another part of the body. <laughs> in Croatian also, probably. In most languages. 
So the moderns, you see, the most of the modern scientists, the most of the modern religionists, they've sold out to the scientists. That uh, even the Catholic Church, they say, yes, we we accept evolutionary theory, but we say that God, He must have been there to start it all in the first place. In other words, they're trying to fit their theories to fit the what the scientists say. They've, they've admitted intellectual defeat. And we have to, and for social acceptability, and because they themselves are maybe not convinced, or probably because the Bible's version is not very convincing anyway. I mean, there's not really much in the Bible. Power has gone off, so you can go like this as much as you like, and it won't increase the cell. It is there, but it's not functioning. How can we tell the power has gone off? Well, there's no sound from here, and there's also a sound of the generator over there. We don't know if it's a generator, but it sounds like a generator. This is called Anuman. We have no direct evidence. But the sound went off, and just immediately this chug, 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 which sounds like a generator, and it probably, I mean, we don't bet, but I'd be willing to bet it's a generator. It could be an elephant. We don't know if elephants make noises like that. It could also be it could also be a, a green whale. <laughs> There's no proof that it's a generator, but we presume this is the process of Anuman. So where were we? we were saying something about the scientists. See, kissing the uh, certain part of the body. The, the religionists, they're kissing a certain part of the body. <laughs> so they can become socially accepted. Uh, and then you have the other Christians who say, we believe in the Bible. They're mostly from the southern states. Was that a good, was that a good imitation of southern accent? Bible. I've heard it myself. You, you come across them. So uh, we only believe that God created the world in seven days, about... Some of them say about 2,000 years ago, and some of them say about some of them say a few hundred years ago. They have different things which they extrapolate from 5,000, which they extrapolate from the Bible, and uh, they only believe in the Bible, which is a better spirit than kissing the elite of the scientists. But it's also not very satisfactory. But the 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 this also sometimes our devotees, although I personally don't think they're really very much devotees, they also think that we have to we have to we have to see what Prabhupada said and we have to judge it and see if it will be acceptable to modern society and if not we'll say it's a time, place and circumstance instruction even though Prabhupada only said it a few years ago and it's been said by all the Acharyas since time immemorial and all of a sudden since 1977 those same instructions which all the Acharyas for all the years have said, it suddenly becomes, it doesn't fit with modern society. Well, it never fitted with any materialistic society ever. Because it's a transcendental instruction. And the materialists will never accept that they're hogs or dogs or camels or asses. Why should they? Because they're, they think we're very great. But, so that is not a time, place or circumstance instruction. It's an eternal fact that those who don't praise Krishna are just like hogs, dogs, camels and asses. And we may not like to accept, but then you become also a hog, a dog, or a camel, or an ass. Because you, who are described as the hogs, dogs, camels, and asses, those who fail to praise Krishna and prefer to 
praise materialistic people. So it's uh, as Prabhupada used to say, it's just the, all the animals are praising an, the, another animal. They elect a leader. So it's just like all the dogs come together and they all, who can bark the loudest? Make it, make, he's the leader. So in the same way, they have their votes and whoever is the most, whoever is the most corrupt, you can now guess that the power has come back. Whoever is the most corrupt, expert at cheating, duplicitous, superfluous, they'll vote him. He'll become the leader. They got what they wanted. So the Vedic process is not like that. The Vedic process is Mahajano Yenagata Sapanta to accept the path of the great soul. Now, as Prabhupada also points out in another profile, everyone is following a Mahajan. It's just that different people have different... They accept others as Mahajan. As Prabhupada said, for the demons, Hiranyakashipu is a Mahajan. They follow his path. For the scientists, Darwin is a Mahajan. They think, oh, what a great person. They buried him in Westminster Abbey. That's where they bury all the, the great people in England. He was preaching Darwinism, which means that there's no God, and they buried him in Westminster Abbey as a sign of respect. Funny world, isn't it? Westminster Abbey, it means a, it means a church, a big, the number one church of the Church of England. Mm. Then uh, for the Mayabhad, Swayambhu, Swayambhu, Narada, Shambhu. You can't, you don't know? Kumara, Kapilo, Manu. Then next, you don't know this word? Kalada Janako Bhishma, Balir Vyasaki, Vyam means Yamaraj. All right. So these are the twelve Mahajans, and actually all great devotees are all Mahajans. These are given as a. These are examples of great devotees. So there are so many others. So we follow these Mahajans. They are actually Mahajans. Why we may say, well, you accept Swayambhu, Brahma, Narad, Shambhu, Lodchi, etc. And we accept Hiranyakashipu, Yagyavalkya, Ashtavakra, Darwin, George Bush, or whatever. These are our Mahajans. So, that's your opinion, this is our opinion. But why should, why do we say that these are actually the Mahajans and not George Bush or Bin Laden or anyone else? Why? Why should we accept? Well, there are some good reasons for this. Now, we can understand they're actually great personalities because they've controlled their senses. Which Hiranyakashipu, he wanted to get control of the whole universe, but he couldn't control his senses. So he thought he was in control, but he was controlled by Daivi Maya. So he wasn't actually controlling, and therefore he was still completely miserable, even though he got his so-called control of the universe. So he's controlled his senses. The, the Mahajan, he is actually a great personality, because 
he's conquered over Maya. Now it may be said that, well, great rishis, they've also conquered over their senses. Yagyavalkya, Ashtavaka. Well, they're also Mahajans in one sense. Sometimes in Bhagavatam, such persons, they're also, at least in one verse, they're also referred to as Mahatma. Mahatma is te, chitta shant. What's that verse? Mahatma is te, chitta shanta vritta. They're also, Prabhupada translates, they're impersonalists, they're also called Mahatmas in, that, in some sense. But then, on the authority of the Vedic literature, the real Mahatma is a devotee. Mahatma Anastamam Parta Daiving Prakadimashitaha Bhajantyanam Yamanasa Gyatva Bhutadima Guram Satatam Kirtayanto Ma Yatanta Chatravataha Namaschantaschamam Mukti Yukta Upasata. According to Krishna in Bhagavad Gita, which is the ultimate Vedic authority, Yaswayam Padmanabhasya Mukka Padmanavamisrita is Srimad. Bhagavad Gita is the topmost Vedic authority because it's directly spoken by Lord Krishna. So according to this, the real Mahatma is a devotee who's taken shelter of the internal potency of Krishna. He worships Krishna, Ananya Manasa, without any deviation of his consciousness and is always chanting the glories of Krishna and engaging in his service. So these we accept as authorities and their authority doesn't change. All the Mahajans they all accept the same point, which throughout history is not that they change, not, not that we have Neo-Vaishnavism, that's only in Bengal. Neo-Vaishnavism, you know this word Neo, what it means? It means like modern, different. Now we have a better idea. It's only in Bengal and maybe in Iskon also. I guess that's inevitable. But the real path is not to be understood by mental speculation, but by following the Mahajans, those who stick to the same truth. As Prabhupada so many times said, that why, how, how is he speaking? What is his authority? Prabhupada would speak very authoritatively. He wouldn't say, well, I think, in my opinion. He would say, it is a fact. Just like people would ask Prabhupada, well, in your belief, Prabhupada would say, it is not our belief, it is a fact. So why do we accept, why do we know it's a fact? Because it's stated by authorities who don't change their opinion. They all have the same opinion, that Krishna is the Supreme Lord. And that, that cannot be understood experimentally. You can't find God by experiment. But we accept the great authorities who have shown in their lives they, that they are on a platform of higher consciousness because their consciousness is fully absorbed in Krishna and by that they've controlled their senses and they're able to give Krishna to others. The Mahajans are not ordinary personalities. They're not petty personalities. They're great personalities because they're, in, they're fully in control of their senses and they're fully dedicated to Krishna. And they're so full of Krishna they can give Krishna to others. So we accept such personality. These persons are worth following because they follow the path of the parampara and they become empowered by the parampara. So this is the system to understand Krishna. It's a very, very simple system that we receive the mercy coming in parampara by accepting what Krishna says and what is delivered in parampara. Sarva meta britang manye 
Yang Mang Barisi Keshava. This is how Arjuna understood the Bhagavad Gita. That Krishna, I simply accept everything you say. That's all. If you don't understand what Krishna says, then you can, Arjuna can ask Krishna. But not that, well, Krishna, what you say is pretty good. I accept it's pretty good what you say. But I have a different outlook on reality. Okay, so you can have your outlook on reality different. You can see the world from different vantage points throughout the universe. You can, get, you can see the world through a cockroach's eyes, through a fish's eyes. If you don't accept what Krishna says, then you have the opportunity to see the world, see the universe. Why people want to go to America? Why only America? You can go all over the universe and experience all varieties of pleasure. Why, why be content simply with being a you know, bisexual? You can experience everything. Why only front and back? You can have everything. You can have sex as a donkey, as a fish, as a cat, as a camel, as a toad. Why? It's a, it's a great universe. There's so many things. But of course you have to, when you become a frog and you're enjoying sex, you might just end up on a Frenchman's table. That's, that's the danger, you see. Or you might end up as uh, snake food. Definitely, you'll be suffering. You won't enjoy it. That's the inbuilt defect of not accepting what Krishna says. You can become a great scholar, in my opinion, and in your next life you'll also be saying, in my opinion, as a, as a frog, croaking of a frog. The frog very loudly states his opinion. You heard them? During the rainy season you get lots of frogs. In Bangladesh, the Bengali word for the frog is bang, so we think Bangladesh is full of in the rainy season. You can't sleep at night because there are, there are thousands of frogs all giving their different opinions, having a discussion, <laughs> very loudly. But the problem is that the snakes also like the rainy season because they can very easily find the frog. They find there are so many frogs. So they go out and they, uh, they stock up their belly, their very long belly. So there's plenty of room for plenty of frogs. <laughs> so this is the defect. We may croak very loudly like a frog, in my opinion. But if we don't accept Krishna's opinion, then we can go on having different opinions. At least 84 lakh varieties of opinions of viewing the world, see the world. 84 lakh different vantage points. We like to travel here and there, you can travel all over the universe. So the method of getting knowledge is very simple. We simply accept the parampara. If we don't understand something, we may uh, inquire, as Arjuna inquire, submissively. Aparang bhavato janma parang janma vivasvataha katame tadvijani yam tamado praktavaniti Krishna, it doesn't seem to make sense that you spoke to Vivaswan because, you know, you were just born the same age as me and Vivaswan, you're saying you spoke to him and then later he spoke to uh, Ikshvaku, Manu, to, to Manu, and then Manu spoke to Ikshvaku, but how could that be? Because you were, that must have happened long ago and you're the same age as me. How can I understand this, Arjuna asked this? He didn't say, Krishna, you're speaking a bunch of rubbish. Just, you know, get back on the chariot and let's go to, let's run away from the battle. I can't accept anything you say. 
near the path of Sarati, and I'm the Partha. So my order is, let's drive the chariot away from the battlefield. He didn't say that. I can't accept your instruction. He said, well, I don't understand. It doesn't seem to make any sense. But you please explain, because obviously you know more than I do. You have insights into things which I know, things that I don't understand. So in this way, we should accept. Not thinking, oh, now, now we have to... You see, Krishna says some good things, but, you know, some things he says... He spoke to Manu, how can we accept that? No, well, so we'll accept some of the things he says. But some other things, you have to use your intelligence. But use your intelligence means you use your intelligence to understand what is given by the Prampara, not thinking that we know better. If we think we know better, then immediately you become simply a rascal. This, uh, yes, recently, Hari Shari Prabhu. I wrote about this, that uh, he's turned out Pradyumna, who was Prabhupada's Sanskrit assistant, who used to carry all these big books around with him. And Prabhupada, one time he saw it, he, he, he never went to any temple program, very rare. That was his general habit. He had all these big Sanskrit books. So one time Prabhupada chastised him, you're carrying these big books around, but you can't even get up from Mangalarti. And then you'll become another snake like Nitai. Nitai was another Sanskrit assistant of Prabhupada, who by reading so many Sanskrit books, he thought he knew better than Prabhupada. So then he wrote a letter to Prabhupada that, well, thank you for all your help, and uh, now you please bless me that I can get a bona fide spiritual master. So Prabhupada wrote back to him that, I bless you, you'll never get a spiritual master in millions of lifetimes. He had, the, he had the best spiritual master in the universe, and he's asking, please bless me that I can get a bona fide spiritual master. So Prabhupada was saying, for all your books, you can't even get up early in the morning. So the same thing, sometimes you, nowadays in our movies, they're getting into all these esoteric questions, and this and that, and, and they can't even get up for longer And What's the use? If you can't even follow the basic principles of Krishna consciousness, and you think it's more advanced to talk about all these esoteric things. What about following the basic principle. And all these esoteric questions and deep intellectual topics, but what first serve the spiritual master, and then by his grace, uh, then everything will be understood. That's our process. Everything will be understood. What does that mean, everything will be understood? You won't understand everything. You won't understand how Rukhusena had more gods than the present population of India in his palace. You won't understand how can you understand it? It's inconceivable. It's a fact. It's not conceivable to the mundane intelligence. It's not a mundane fact. It's a spiritual fact. The, the spiritual dwarf is a manifestation of the spiritual world. It's not under the laws of physics. Krishna, he arranges things as he likes them. That's the unlimited. Achintya Shakti is working there. Then you understood. You see, I just explained it. Right? Now you can understand. Do you understand how Ugrasen has more gods than then is the present population of India or maybe of the world. This is how you understand that it. it's not understandable because it's a chintip. It's beyond understanding. Okay, now you understood. Because it's part of Krishna's inconceivable potency in which he can do anything he likes. That is the explanation. But you won't satisfy the scientists like that. You can go and tell them and say, no, we don't accept it. Oh, you don't accept it. That's up to you. Then you remain within the limited world. You never go to the unlimited spiritual world. Where that you have to have faith to enter. 
faith that there's more than this tiny little frog's well material world. So uh, that is the process of spiritual understanding. Don't, don't think that we can understand everything. If you take any line of Prabhupada's books and you analyze it, you can start to ask questions and you'll never come to the end. There are millions of questions about everything, but we have to accept some axioms. Just like when you're walking on the street, you have faith that the, the you don't even think about it, but you have faith that the, the ground in front of you will support you. So we have to accept some things on faith, and otherwise we can't even, you can neither breathe in nor breathe out. Because if you don't have faith that the air you breathe will nourish you, if you think it's poison, then you won't breathe in, then you'll die. And if you don't breathe out because you think, well, what if it just keeps on going and then, you know, my complete, my lungs completely empty and then my lungs also come out of my nose and I can't stop breathing out and start to breathe in, then you can't, you can't do anything unless you have some faith in something. So you have to accept some of it. So we accept some axioms. And on that basis, we go forward in Krishna consciousness. So we have to have faith in that. What is the faith that practically for us that faith is that Prabhupada was a pure devotee of Krishna. It's not a very difficult thing to accept. Nowadays we have all these idiots who are questioning whether Prabhupada was a pure devotee and whether he's, what he said was correct. You know, these people who are just all eating meat and never heard anything about Krishna and they're still listening to rock music and they think we have to get another guru because not in Iskon because Prabhupada wasn't a pure devotee or he didn't really understand the Shastra completely. I mean, fool and rascal were Prabhupada's words that he used. I mean, really, these people, such fools and rascals. And they, they think we have to go to some scholar in Vrindavan who understands the Shastra better than Prabhupada. What idiots. I mean, it's, it's, that's inconceivable. That's more inconceivable than Ugrasena having more, more, uh, gods than the present population of the world. And Maya is so strong. They, they're thinking that Prabhupada was a conditioned soul and that they can, uh, I'll go to some, some person sitting around studying his Sanskrit roots in Vrindavan and I'll get a better understanding than Prabhupada. He knows Krishna better than Prabhupada. It's inconceivable. And they want you to send you, they want you to send a long reply in detail explaining all, what long reply in detail, you fool? <laughs> and if you give a long reply in detail and then they'll, because they don't have faith, they're unfortunate. They're simply, un they've made themselves unfortunate. It's very easy to see that Prabhupada has given the absolute truth, that he's given Krishna. But if you can't see, what are you going to do? What, what are you going to do to make them see? What, what mental or intellectual convincing are you going to do? It's not, a, it's not a matter of intellect. If you see a camel in front of you, then you know that's a camel. It's plain to see. You don't have to have a, a big, you don't have to have a big PhD degree to understand. And if you, or if you don't understand, then there's no use to try and train you. That you know, what is a camel and camelology and go to university and study for ten years. You just tell a child this is a camel, and then from every time after that he sees a camel, he understands it's a camel. You don't get them in Tamil Nadu much. More in Gujarat, Rajasthan. So it's a very plain thing to see. A camel is a, an extraordinary creature with a, an amazing design. 
and uh, it's rather ugly and he's <laughs> always doing that when it doesn't have a rope in its mouth and, uh, and it's, it's, it's generally brown and has a big hump and like that okay that's a camel so you see what is what is the description of a pure devotee these are his symptoms He's always talking about Krishna, always absorbed in Krishna. And even if you don't read that in nectar devotion, you then, uh, if you, you see Prabhupada, and then you're, even you don't have to read the nectar, but you can understand he's a pure devotee. He's always absorbed in Krishna. And if you can't see that, then what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Study, study, study. And you can't see the obvious. So, why are you? so our process is very simple. Except what Prabhupada says, there may be, actually in, in many cases there may be apparent contradictions in what Prabhupada says, so that we have to apply our intelligence. Contradictions in the sense that sometimes Prabhupada may have said, said just like this question, it's a very common argument over there, that Prabhupada somebody says, you can't fall from the spiritual world, no one falls, and then again he says, you, you fall from the spiritual world. Then, Actually, Shastra says both things also. Then, then what do you do? Then you reject. Prabhupada didn't know what he was talking about. He was only saying that, but he didn't really mean it. And uh, now I understand better. He can tell. I can tell you better what he actually meant to say. Some intelligence is required, but not the foolish intelligence by which one thinks that one is more intelligent than the Acharya. That is great foolishness by which one can come so close to Krishna and then go thousands of miles away. Because Krishna, you can do your arati and your puja and your Sanskrit chanting and all these things, but if you offend the Acharya, if you, then it's ya prasada nagati katopi. If we don't get his mercy, then nagati katopi. We, we don't attain the nagati, that means don't attain the destination. Api, even though, api means even though, so even though you may be a great Sanskrit scholar, or which, there are, who's a great Sanskrit scholar? Hardly you'll find, some people they learn a few verbs and they think they're a great Sanskrit scholar. Or you may be very austere, although usually we don't find all these people who are saying all these things, they're not, they're not usually very austere, they're usually bogies, because they don't get the mercy of Krishna to control their senses. Or anyway, whatever you may do, you may perform Dandavat Parikrama around Vrindavan, or whatever you may do, but you won't get Krishna's if you don't accept what is given by the Acharya. So this may sound fanatical, dogmatic, unreasonable, etc. It may sound. But then our aim is not to please the mundane scholars. Our aim is to please Krishna. So it may sound dogmatic. Well, if it is according to your point of view dogmatic, it may be. But we have our process, and our process is to accept the mercy coming down in front row, not with, not, not applying our intelligence, intelligence should be applied, but with the basic faith that I have to learn and from and serve our Acharya, and not try to think, now I've become so qualified, I will jump on his head and teach him how to worship Krishna. I've got a better idea. Then you become a rascal. Hare Krishna.
Well, I guess you've heard that kind of class before, but there's no harm to say it again. Hmm. Real preaching to scientists? Real preaching to scientists means if you can make them devotees, that's the best. Prabhupada did. He made at least three people that I know of, he made them devotees. Sci real, I mean, qualified scientists. That's Srub Damada, now Bhakti Srub Damada Maharaj, Prabhu, and Madhav, who I haven't heard of for years. So they were qualified scientists. They all, I think they all had PhDs, or later maybe Sarah Putin got his PhD. I'm not sure exactly. But they're real bona fide scientists. Prabhupada made them devoted. So if you can do, very good. Bhakti Vigyan Goswami Maharaj, he has his, I'm not sure, maybe PhD something in chemistry, master's degree, something. There are many actually. Dhyanadas had his bachelor's in chemistry from Cambridge University from Cambridge University. Well, Prabhupada made him a devotee. So these are real, sir. Yeah, the same thing. Yeah, that's the point. Prabhupada would explain the difference between the body and the soul. And actually, that's the way you preach to everybody. When Prabhupada was asked about devotees going to Islamic countries, how to preach, Prabhupada would say that you explain how the body is changing, but the, the, the principle within the body remains the same. So death is only a change of the body, therefore we can understand that the principle of life within the body remains. So you tell them that this is not Hindu religion, this is a scientific fact. You preach to Muslims like this, the Sabbath Prophet said. So to everybody, the scientists if they accept, if they can understand this simple point, then they'll also become devotees. Mm. We don't understand axiom of spirit and matter. Mm. How will we understand the differential of spirit? So again, Prabhupada was always speaking on this point. I remember that the last time I had Darshan of Prabhupada was it must have been it was, it was October seventy seven, I don't remember exactly the date. It was about a month before Prabhupada passed away from this world and on that day Prabhupada sat up, that means Prabhupada was sat up and they gave Prabhupada some prasadam and he was going to take some prasadam but then he started saying Sharia Ravidyajal and he forgot all about it and he started preaching how the senses are very difficult to control and you have to control them and started preaching and just he was able to talk, everyone had to keep very quiet. So this was Prabhupada, you know, all surrounded by all his big leaders in, in, the, in the last days in his preaching, how you have to control your senses. So these are the basic things. Nowadays we don't hear much preaching how you have to control your senses. We hear so many other things. But these basic points, we have, if we understand them very clearly, then everything else will be very easy to understand. I, Probably arriving in Los Angeles. Mm. And he says, I have nothing new to say. He goes on to spend 
Prabhupada was always in ecstasy talking these things. That was Prabhupada's ecstasy teaching, you're not the body, you're eternal servant of Krishna. He was never tired of teaching that. Yeah. He was always enthusiastic to teach people this. Hare Krishna. Srimad Bhagavatam Gita. 